Let's pray. Father God, we just thank you and praise you for this day, Father. We thank you for this opportunity to gather together, Father, to worship you and to fellowship with each other. Father, we pray now that everything done and said today will be to the upbuilding of your kingdom on this earth. And we give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen. amen. <clears throat> Those two old redneck guys were talking, and I kind of overheard the conversation. And one was telling the other one that he took his girlfriend out for her birthday downtown. And they were walking down the street downtown, and they walked past this restaurant, and the food smelled unbelievable. And the other guy said, well, what do you do? That, that place costs a whole paycheck to eat in there. He said, well, you know me. I'm a gentleman. I turned around and walked her back past it where she could smell it again. <laughs> <clears throat> I'll take all the jokes y'all can get. I'm with you. Um, so what we're going to talk about this week is the righteousness in Christ. We, we um, humans as a whole, have some inkling of an idea that somehow we can be good people and that we can somehow earn or, or because we're so good that we, we have earned the opportunity for heaven or for whatever reason, right? And, and <clears throat> praying about this, I kind of got this, this vision of... Um, of, of the comparison of our works and God's righteousness, okay? And it, 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 this is, and you might not understand it, but it, it seemed like something really good. And if you would compare a coloring sheet of one of our two-year-olds to the majesty of the Grand Canyon, that is the comparison to our good works and God's righteousness, it is so far out of our league that it is laughable to even compare that somehow that we are righteous or that we are good enough to be righteous compared to what God's righteousness looks like. Our righteousness, our best day, our best five minutes, our best 90 seconds with all of the best intentions are still like filthy rags in the presence of God's righteousness. It is impossible for human to live to the standard of God's righteousness. It, it, it's impossible. If it wasn't impossible, then Christ died for nothing. If we could live right and in right standing with God, without sin and without blame, then Christ died for nothing. But in fact, the righteousness of God is actually a gift. And without that gift... <laughs> Riley loves that. We are like the, the worms of the dirt, that, that lowly servant, that terrible, worst thing you can think of, the maggots on the bottom of the stuff. I mean, we're, we, we're really not. Human righteousness does not even come anywhere close to, to what God's righteousness looks like. It's the scribbling on a piece of paper with a blue crayon versus the majesty of the Rocky Mountains. It, it is not the same. It, it, it's... It's not comparable. And I have heard some people of late talking about how God's disappointed in you because you're not doing enough work and you're not working hard enough and you're not doing enough stuff. And that, let me tell you, that the enemy uses that to attack me. I don't know if he attacks you with that, but to attack me. And so I've really been doing some soul searching and praying and, and God, I just want you to show me. And this idea of my works versus, versus his righteousness, 
<laughs> it ain't me, it's him. And if it's not for him, I'm still nothing. I earned death and hell, and he gave me the righteousness of God, the redemption of my sins, and the eternity to be able to be in heaven with the Father. What I deserve and what he gave me are so far apart that it's not even laughable. It is so far apart. And I hear so many people say, well, they're a good person, so they're going to heaven. No, ma'am, you are not. If you do not accept Jesus as your personal Savior, he says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, and nobody goes to the Father except through me. Amen. The righteousness of God is inattainable except through him. There is no way, no way, that you can come anywhere close to being good enough to measure up to God. So if you will, we're gonna, I'm going to try to do a better job this week of actually saying the book, chapter, and verse that I'm actually reading. That'll do well. Um, so we'll turn with me to the book of Romans, chapter 3, uh, and verse 9. And this is Paul writing to the Romans. And, and if, you know, he's writing to the Jews who think they're righteous, Right? He, 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 he is writing to people who think that they can walk the certain distance on the Sabbath and make the proper sacrifices and wash their hands properly and, and say the right things and do the right things, and that's going to make them righteous. And in the first part of three, he's arguing with himself, really, the two counterparts of the righteousness. But if you start in verse 9, what shall we conclude then? Do we have any advantage? Not at all. For we have already made the charge... That the Jews and the Gentiles are alike under the power of sin. And then he goes into a little deal here to where he's going to quote about three or four different Psalms talking about, he's just quoting scripture at them, right? He wants them to understand. They knew what the scroll said. He wants them to understand. <clears throat> so uh, starting in 10, as it is written... There is no one righteous, not even one. 11, there is no one who understands, and there is no one who seeks God. All have turned away. They have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, and their tongues practice deceit. The poison of viper is on their lips, and their mouths are full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. And the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. So he's just telling them all the stuff they should have known. This is the highlight reel of why you really are not righteous. 19. Now we know that whatever the law says, <clears throat> it says to those who are under the law, so that, that every mouth may be silenced and the whole world be held accountable to God. Therefore, no one will declare the righteousness in God's sight by works of the law. Rather, the law, we become conscious of our sin, right? The, the law points out what exactly you're doing wrong. And if you don't think so, you just write down everything you do and say for like an you know, afternoon and then tell me how many bad thoughts and bad things you did in an afternoon. And y'all might be better than me. It might take you a whole 24 hours before you have a full sheet of paper. But you're going to get it pretty quick. So if you flip down to, in my Bible, you know, they got it broken in the paragraphs, right? In my Bible, 
This is a whole new idea right here at verse 21. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. The righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ <clears throat> to all who believe. For there is no difference between Jew and Gentile, for all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his faith through the redemption that came through Christ. So the, to become the righteousness of Christ, it is only through the faith in Christ. It is not on how good you do. It is not how much you tithe. It is not how often you come to church. It is not how often you read your Bible. It is not how well you treat your neighbor. Now I'm going to pause for just a second and go down a rabbit trail. As we mature as Christians, we should be concerned over how much we tithe and how well we witness and how much we read our Bible and how much we come to church and how well we treat our neighbor. Not because it's required for salvation, but it is our duty as Christians to be more like Christ. And Jesus was concerned over all of those things. You should be too. He was concerned with the poor. He was concerned with the sick. He was concerned with going to the synagogue and reading the word, he was concerned over those things. If you do those things, that does not make you a Christian. But if you are a Christian, you should do those things. Not because you have to, but because you should want to. And that, that's the difficult part, right? Is <clears throat> I, I want to live better for Christ. I want to represent the righteousness of Christ. I want to be a witness to the world. I don't have to. I want to. I have been saved through grace. I cannot earn it. <coughs> I cannot buy it. I cannot beg for it. It is a gift of God. And without that gift, Paul said there's no difference between Jew or Gentile. That's all of us. We have all fallen short. There's nothing that you can do to earn it. It's accepting the gift. Um, I think I'm on 25. And God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of the blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because of his forbearance had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished and it, <clears throat> he did it to demonstrate the righteousness at the present time so to just <clears throat> just and the one who is justified have faith in Jesus so if without the righteousness of God without this gift there is no way to become the righteousness in Christ but through this gift and salvation in Christ we become the righteousness of Christ it justified, like justified, never sin, washed clean, blameless and holy, just as I never sinned. Not because of something that I did, but because of the gift that Christ gave me. And that righteousness, that righteousness is the gift that God gave us. So then all of the times that where you see God talk about his righteousness, that he will hold them in his right hand, and that no matter what comes against them, that they will, he will <clears throat> help them overcome it. 
all of the promises of the righteousness that goes to us now. Not because we washed our feet appropriately or washed our hands appropriately or made the right sacrifice or went to the synagogue on the right days or did the right amount of tithing or the right things. It is because of him. And the, <clears throat> the lie that the enemy tells is he flips the equation that you have to do this to be a Christian. And it's not anything to do with Jesus, but uh, how you behave. Well, my grandmama was a good person, and she always was nice, and she always did well. Well, that's good. Was she saved? <clears throat> that's what matters. It does not say that if you're a good person, that the righteousness of God comes on you. It does not. Nowhere. And I read it. I googled it too just to make sure <clears throat> it does not the righteousness of Christ is a gift of God <clears throat> so flip with me to 2nd Corinthians Second Corinthians chapter 5, and I'm going to start reading in 17, which you've heard this recently, but I want to go through the whole thing in context. Um, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. We talked about that a couple weeks ago. The new creation has come, and the old is gone, the new is here. And all this from God, who reconciled himself through Christ and gave us the ministry of reconciliation that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them, <clears throat> and as he committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors, and though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf to be reconciled to God. 21, and God made him who had no sin, sin for us, so that we may become the righteousness of God. Now, if you're talking about, like, contract negotiations, we won. You're, Philip, Philip and I have a conversation pretty regular on the business. And it's, are we winning or are we losing? I mean, it, it really ain't, business ain't really winning and losing, but we, we relate to winning and losing pretty good. And sometimes we own jobs and we like, man, we are losing. This is not, this is not good. And then on other things, we like, hey, we, we winning. You know, you kind of feel like we won today a little bit. In the contract between us and God, we won. He paid all of the penalty and all of the price and suffered and was beaten and was tortured, and we have to accept the gift of salvation and become the righteousness of God. Our part of the deal is not very big. It, it's really not. And, and it's so, <clears throat> it's so easy that dummies like me could do it. And that caveman does the car insurance. It's so easy. Even the caveman can do it. This salvation is so easy that God so loved the whole entire world that they could do it. 
that they could believe in their heart and say with their mouth that Jesus was the Son of God, that he died and was our Savior. It's easy. And the problem is not old, not old individuals, but old, established Christian sex, not sex, not S-E-X, S-E-C-T-S, sex, want this to be more difficult because it shouldn't be that easy. You shouldn't be able to live however you want to and all of a sudden give your life to Christ and have the same inheritance as me. That's what they believe. So they make it more, try to make it more difficult that you don't understand that you've got to do all of those things first and then you become the righteousness of God. When you become saved, you are the righteousness in God. And then everything that comes out of that <coughs> should be from want to. Want to? Want to. It's not a requirement. It's a good idea. It's a good idea to be a great role model, to be a good boss, to be a good spouse, to be a good parent, to raise God-fearing children, to raise them in church. <clears throat> it, it's, it's, it's the right thing to do, but it's not required. To become saved and to become the righteousness of God is not required. However, if you go up about two sentences... And if you are going to be Christ's ambassador, we should act accordingly. Talked about that last week too. But the righteousness is a gift. <clears throat> you know, Paul says some stuff, man. He, he really, sometimes he really explains stuff that, that where we... Um, Man, he does a good job. Turn with me to Philippians. <clears throat> oh, I was looking at 17 and 7. All right, so Philippians. Uh, we'll start with uh, chapter 3, verse 1. Further, my brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. <clears throat> it is no trouble for me to write the same things to you again. <clears throat> it is a safeguard for you to watch out for the dogs and the evildoers and the mutilators of flesh. For it is we who, have <clears throat> who are the circumcision, <clears throat> we who serve the God by his spirit, who boast in Christ Jesus, who put no confidence in the flesh, though I may myself have reasons for such confidence. <clears throat> if, anyone, if someone else thinks that they have reason to put confidence in the flesh, I have more circumcised on the eighth day of the people of Israel, of the tribe of Benjamin, a Hebrew of Hebrews, in regard to the law of Pharisee, as for zeal, persecuting the church, as for righteousness based on the law, faultless. He was talking about how he was raised. He was talking about how he was doing business before he got on the road to Damascus. He was talking about, I'm a good guy because I do all the things 
I'm born of the right family. I was circumcised on the right day. <clears throat> I'm from the right tribe. I'm a Pharisee of Pharisees. I am, as for zeal, do you want to talk about zeal? I got some zeal. I've been persecuting these heathen Christians who are blaspheming the Most High God. I have been about God's work, right? That's what he is. He is bragging on himself. <clears throat> Verse 7, but, what, but whatever were gains to me, I now consider a loss for Christ's sake. For what is more, I consider everything a loss <clears throat> because of surpassing the worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain in Christ and be found in him, not having righteousness <clears throat> of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ, the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. So all the things that he had done before now, he considered a loss and garbage and trash compared to the righteousness of God that came as a gift. Like, <clears throat> tell me why you deserve to be in heaven. I don't. Jesus said I can come. Tell me why you're a good person. I'm not except for the righteousness of Christ. Because I gave my life to Christ. That's the only thing I got going for me. It's not my education. It's not who I married. It's not my business. It's not my position. It's not anything. If it's anything short of being based on the gift of God, it is garbage. And for somebody that is a good, well-meaning, church-going Christian, that is hard to admit. Because you say, well, but I tithe, and I go every Sunday, and I volunteer, and I work hard, and I do all this stuff. And the next sentence should be, because I want to serve God. Not because I'm earning anything. Not because I'm required to do it for my salvation or for my righteousness. Not because that it has anything to do with the deal God gave me. The deal God gave me is I have to accept him as Lord and Savior in his righteousness. Now, to be a better Christian, to be a good ambassador, to be a, a light in the world, it's want to. Want to. Remember we talked about free will a couple weeks ago. And we, you want to. You do whatever you want to do. Whatever you want to do. You come to church if you want to. You don't if you don't want to. <clears throat> you tithe if you want to. You don't if you don't want to. You volunteer if you want to. You don't if you don't. Now some of y'all might still have mamas that call you on the phone and tell you what you ought to do. And most of what I do is because I want to, and some of it's because I'm told to. <laughs> but I don't count that towards righteousness either because it ain't got nothing to do with nothing. It's because I want to. And all of it, all of the works, and all of the time, and all of the money, can you imagine thinking that you could tithe and buy your way into heaven? 
You think that two-year-old drawing compared to the Grand Canyon looks funny? You ought to put your little stack of money up in front of God and say, see, I bought my way. (laughs) Really? Solomon had so much money that they stacked the silver up outside because they were tired of building barns to put it in. Y'all comprehend that? You know, like your good silver, you, you know, that good silver, that old stuff that's real? He stacked all of that. The coins were all outside. He didn't have time for that. You can't buy your way in. You can't earn your way in. You can't work your way in. You can't be good enough to get your way in. And then, so then people say, well, then why do I want to be good? (laughs) Because it is pleasing to God. Because the creator of the universe, when he knew his time was short on this planet, instead of going out and making big speeches, he tucked up his robe and got on his knees and washed feet. Why? Because he wanted to. Because he was trying to be an example of what it looks like to serve. Did that make him more righteous? No. He was already the righteousness in God. Did Jesus need to do any of the things that he did to earn his righteousness? Nope. He was holy and blameless. He was as right as right gets. Us, on the other hand, filthy rags. Now, I am not, this is not a sin conscious message, right? I'm not saying that you you are sorry dog and you sin and you need you are but that's not what i'm telling you i'm telling you that the righteousness of god is the gift of god and there's nothing that you can do to add to it or take away from it if you think that you can add anything to the righteousness of god repent and repent now it cannot we we if you touched it, you would dirty it. You ever seen like the, we, we went to the Louisville Slugger Museum this summer with Beta Club, went to Louisville, and we went to Louisville Slugger Museum, and, and if you're a baseball fan and you, you have somehow get stranded in Louisville, I wouldn't recommend going there on purpose, but if you get stranded there, go to the Louisville Slugger Museum because they have all these bats leaned up on the wall, and it's Babe Ruth and all the guys, I mean, Barry Bond, I mean, it's everybody. It, it, it's every baseball player you can come up with, Ty Cobb, Ted Williams, all those guys. And it's their actual bats lined up on the wall. And they have rubber grips on the bottom of them, and they allow you to pick them up and swing them. But the lady who picks them up for you, you're only allowed to touch them where the little grips are. She has on perfectly white gloves to where none of her oil or dirt off of her hands gets on the bat. Right? And so she picks them up because, I, I, don't, know, I don't know, the, the, the Babe Ruth bat's worth a gazillion dollars, and, and you get to hold it and swing it. it. It's pretty unique, right? But if you touch the bat, they go crazy. Like I, di- I did it kind of like unintentionally, like handed it back to her with the knob, and she was like, sir, sir, please only touch the, the grip because they didn't want my dirt on their bat. Think about that in the, I don't want your fingerprints on my righteousness. White as snow, I don't want your fingerprints on it. 
You can't touch it. You can't add to it. The righteousness of God is a gift to the Christian. And when we understand what it means that I am in right standing with God, that then that idea that I've been redeemed and set free and that I can boldly go to the throne of God. See, what happens when you start praying about something? The enemy comes to you and says, well, you know, you, ain't really, you don't really deserve that. You, you, haven't really, <clears throat> you haven't really lived good enough. God's unhappy with you. God's not satisfied with what you're doing. You're inadequate to go to the throne of God. No, no, sir. I am the righteousness of Christ, and I can boldly go to the throne of God. Then I, I look just like Jesus, holy and blameless, not me, but him through me. It has got nothing to do with me. It's all him. When I stand in front of the Father, he sees Jesus and he doesn't see me. I am covered in the blood. That's where the righteousness of God comes from. Knowing that I am the Son of God and I am healed and set free and redeemed, that I can boldly go to the throne and nothing stands between me and him. That's what the righteousness of God means. And if you think somehow that there's something you can do as a, a, a measly, mere human to add to that, you really misunderstand the concept. It is a gift of God. And when you understand what it means and how it comes, it should give you a new look on life. It should help you understand it. He, he loves me, and he wants me, and he wants me to be in a relationship with him. And it doesn't matter how poorly I've lived up to his expectations, because all he can see is Christ. We are the righteousness in God. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you and praise you for this day. Father, we thank you for this word. We pray that it will go out and will not return void. Father, we thank you for that gift of the righteousness and salvation. We give you praise and honor and glory for it. In Jesus' most precious name, amen.